Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. I am your host, Mike Abadir. It is Thursday, November 18th, 2021. And what that means to us is that we're right around the corner from Thanksgiving. We'll get into that in a moment, but let me bring in my trusted co-host, guest co-host, filling in for Gino Bacola, as everybody knows, Pop Jamil. The best handicapper I know. What's going on, Pop? What's going on, brother? You already know what time it is, man. And you guys already know, man, the one and only. Pop DBIC, the primetime capper. It's always a pleasure to be here with my main man, Mike Abadir. And I hope all is well in the world of sports and all that good stuff. And uh, I'm glad, always happy to be here. Oh, love having you on, man. So let's get right to it. Um, so next week, we are going to be taking Thanksgiving off. So I want to wish everybody a very blessed and joyful Thanksgiving with you and your families. Be safe. God bless. And we will see you two weeks from today, uh, which will put us, I believe, in December. So I can't believe how quickly this uh, year has moved along, man. It's like, it seems like a blink of an eye, Pop. Yep. Seems yeah, like so that'll be uh, so, the first so that, that'll just, be December second. Just uh, for for those who are curious, December second will be our next show. But I'm sorry, uh, you were about to say when I said blink. Of oh, I just it just feels like it was already January first. Now we're here on November eighteenth. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 really uh, amazing. So, what are some of the things that you're going to be doing, by the way, as a, a handicapper on your platform as we approach like? the college bowl games because, uh, Hey, bowl season's nearly, uh, upon us. Well, bowl games, I try to look at them one game at a time. Cause it's a lot of them now. And, um, we try to put together the right type of groupings and things like that. to try to figure out who the, uh, big, uh, who, who can be your big underdog play and who can be your big, big for sure play and all that good stuff. But, you know, bowl games are so, all over the place you know that because you know you don't know if guys are going to be moving on to go to the nfl and are trained for the nfl i mean and guys who get hurt in the last game of the season and all that stuff you got to factor a lot of things in and some teams just kind of mail it in uh when it comes to bowl games so you have to figure out which one of those what what where you stand with that matchup you know what i mean i think you gotta look at it one matchup at a time but i'm going to try to put together something show wise where we do have a big little you know little get down about it because you know it's so many ball games and then the balls are already starting so you know you don't really have the most time to sit up there and talk about what i guess 35 ball games or something like that you know one of the interesting things also you were talking about players leaving and things of that nature there's also another aspect too which i think has to be factored into the handicapping which is which coaching staffs are moving on which ones have committed to stay through the bowl game which ones have mentally checked out because they're going to a bigger school 
and have recruiting on their mind. Uh, there's so many facets to the bowl games that make it super, super interesting. And so uh, I, I'm really looking forward to see what are some of the plays that you come up with as uh, the bowl season goes along. I do have a quick question for you, though, about strategy. So how do you approach or how should one approach like parlays, right? Because a lot of books now will allow you to uh, carry a parlay through several days. So I could play, you know, the Patriots on Sunday, a bowl game on Tuesday and a, another bowl game on Saturday and have all be on the same parlay. When you're going game to game, can you really do that? Or do you pretty much like to identify the, the play you like and play individually and not concern yourself with parlays during this time of year? I would say that the open parlay is a very good strategy to use for betters that want to have a little fun, you know what I mean? Put themselves together a little lottery ticket for not too much uh for not too much change on top of it to make it a good payout, you know. So I would say that you structure it on how you feel about those games. So like say you have eight bowl games that you feel really good about. I would say, why don't you go ahead and play an open parlay on that, see what the number is going to be, and then put down a nice little wager and let that situation play itself out. Or you can go ahead and double back. You may have eight eight that you really like, and then you might have eight that are that you feel can be high value, and then you might have eight that you feel that might not be the biggest value in the world, but it's going to go ahead and cash a ticket for you. So, But you have to put more money on that that investment you know what i mean my thing is i try to preach uh, small risk big reward you know what i mean because it's easy to go over there and you know do a hundred dollar parlay on a six-teamer and then you come up with a nice little 2400 bucks but, but how many times a week are you going to hit that six-teamer how many times a month are you going to hit it you know what i mean but if you feel really good about the situation like bowl season where you will have eight eight bowls that really you really do know the outcome will be in your favor, then you should go ahead and play that situation. And I would say that um, if you can sneak in a couple other little situations, a couple little NBA games or an NFL game you feel good about, then you can make it a 10-piece. And then you can just go ahead and do the whole uh, enchilada like I like to give out on Saturdays, the whole dirty dozen jackpot. I like it, man. You know, That's really just, good stuff. You know, it's just, you know, you get, you're gambling it, but you at the same time, if you got a good feel for it, it hits the correct way, then you know what? You know, you're going to be the one hosting a New Year's Eve party if you don't have games <laughs> on New Year's Eve. Exactly. And, and it'll be a nice start, really, to the uh, new year, hopefully, for all the players out there. Nice uh, end of the year for some baseball players. Major leagues have found their way to get into grab some headlines during football season here with the award season going on. And uh, fresh news here Shohei Otani is unanimously crowned the American League MVP. Um, no surprise there. Not at all. Shotani, the game Showtime. changer. The game changer. Showtime. And he did something that the the game hadn't seen in a hundred years. He pitched and he hit, you know what I mean? Like, and it was like, good. And I think what he's done is, is that he's put himself in position to possibly be 
the highest paid baseball player of all time. And for guys that can possibly do the same thing, because we got plenty of guys here in the States that can pitch and hit as well, too. If they want to look at this as an option as well, too, this can become a different type of market for uh, a special type. This is uh, above and beyond what a utility player is. You know what I mean? This is a multi-purpose player. And if he can succeed at both, you have other guys, I think, that can succeed at both. And I feel like it's not something that's brand new. It's something that was old that's being brought back into a game when it's much needed. It's right on time, in my opinion. Oh, that's a great point. And what's fascinating to me is this, Pop. I would argue that if he didn't pitch an inning, he may have been the MVP anyways. I mean, he had 46 home runs, 100 RBI, 103 runs scored, and 26 stolen bases. 26 stolen bases to go along with that. 965 OPS, and, uh, you know, uh, his war was was right up there. Not quite Mookie Betts-esque, but pretty darn good. He may have been the MVP anyways. And most importantly, he played in 155 out of 162 games. So his availability was something that was questioned coming into the season. But he put it all together, didn't miss any time, despite the innings, despite the hitting, despite the base running, sliding, stealing bases. I mean, it's really a remarkable feat. I'm excited about it. And I do hope we see what you're talking about, which is more players being allowed to do so. Because I think that there are a lot of players who could do so effectively. We've kind of babied our pitchers. You know what I mean? I mean, like severely babied them all the way down to like pitch counts and innings counts now. And and it, it, they're, they're less than ever before. Don't you want to see your stars play as much of a game as possible? You know, you don't want to see like LeBron James or, uh, you know, uh, Steph Curry playing the first quarter and then be pulled after the midway through the second quarter. And that's kind of what baseball is doing to their superstar pitchers. And that's kind of a shame. This at least gives them an opportunity to stay in the game throughout like Shohei Otani does. So what do you think about that aspect of it? I think that that's a great point. And I think honestly, at the end of the day, this will bring more people to the ballpark. When Shotani went to New York, that was one of the, that was the most sought out ticket of the season for the regular season, the Shotani game, not the Angels, the Shotani game. Now let's go ahead and do this with six, seven more guys, and I think it will be the same exact hype going into that that game that day. You know what I mean? Because for the big markets, for the LA's, for the the Wrigley Fields, all that stuff. And when you can have people come out at the big at the big markets, there's there you already know at the end of the day, the small market is going to show up double time. You know, so I think that this is you have to do more to attract more eyes to the game and more butts in the seats as well, too. The MLB does a lot of they do a lot of their own spending. That's why, you know, a lot of people are getting sad now that there's a lot of minor league teams that are going to be eliminated because MLB can't afford that situation anymore. And they don't want to be invested in teams that don't have up to date 
uh, facilities either. They don't want to be holding a uh, bucket on that situation. And I know that some of these small towns, they kind of are surviving off these minor league, off the minor league uh, system and everything like that. But you have to bring more excitement to the game. And I think bringing more excitement to the game is talking about bringing more exciting players and kind of uh, falling back a little bit on your on your old timey rules a little bit, but still keeping them intact because that's why baseball is still a respectable and honorable game is because they go they they have a, a unwritten law that gets followed to a T, you know. So I really do respect that 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 aspect of baseball. That's why we love to watch a hundred and. 62 games a year but i do want to see baseball get more revenue through exciting play and it's start it's starting right now you got the bryce harpers of the world you got the manny machados you got uh tatis you got a lot of really exciting players that are in that that are pushing the culture forward you know what i mean and you got vlad jr who finished second a lot of us thought Vlad Jr. could have won it as well, too. And I know he's feeling kind of slighted because, you know, he, he had a better batting average as well, too. And uh, still, but it's not your time yet, youngin. You know what I mean? So this is how good baseball is right now. Like we kept talking about all year. Take a team like the Blue Jays. If they're really good next year, they can take the whole sports world by storm. Because they have a young core that's really, really fun. See, everybody loves a fun team in baseball. That's why I was so attracted to the Mariners this season is because I felt like they were a fun bunch. They could care less if it was about winning or losing. They're going to go out there and go have some fun. You know what I mean? And I think that the more that these teams loosen up a little bit, the more the fans will will, will, will get into the game. You know what I mean? And so I think that baseball is really headed in the right direction out of all of the three three major sports. I know everybody likes to say four, but I like to say three because the fourth one is kind of just here. You know what I mean? So (laughs) uh, because hockey is a great sport, but hockey is like uh, is like a blues is like a blues singer. It has its, its it has its 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 acquired taste. You know what I mean. <laughs> yep. And hockey's a beautiful game, but you know they have their base of fans. They don't need to reach out to anybody else. But baseball has to be significant to have a future. Absolutely right, and I agree with you on so many points. And by the way, big props to you on uh, you were on the Mariners from early on in the season. So um, you, you you called it, and they had a great season. Uh, a lot of the young players really came together to give the uh, folks up in Seattle some optimism, which they haven't had in a long time. So that was really cool to see. Uh, really quickly, uh, Bryce Harper gets the NL MVP. He is somebody that I thought was maybe a little bit overrated and that his game had peaked. He comes back this year and proves that that's not the case he got 17 out of the thir- 30 first place votes. Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis finished second and third, respectively. Many would probably argue that if Tatis hadn't been hurt, he would have been able to easily get that award. But part of the game is your availability. Like I said, with Shohei Otani, Shohei was able to play in 155 games. He puts together a complete package in a great season, wins himself the award. Uh, taking a look at the uh, uh, pitching side of things, Burns of the Brewers gets the National League Cy Young. 
He edges out Wheeler and Max Scherzer. Uh, going into the final month of the season, it looked like Walker Bueller was going to be the guy. I think he may have uh, run out of gas a little bit. Uh, didn't have very good outing against the Giants when they needed him. And in the American League, Robbie Ray. He's somebody that has had potential for a long time, Pop, but finally put it all together to have a monster season. Apparently, he had a slight tweak in his release point, and that made all the difference in the world. He had himself a career year. Um, somebody that I'd probably bet against next year. But hey, man, uh, props to him. I'm not going to poo on his parade right now, as he is the American League Cy Young Award winner. Uh a lot of baseball there uh, packed in in a couple of day period. One more thing pop that I'll mention is the Astros keep Verlander. They gave him $25 million to come back for this next season. So the Astros are going to pick up right where they left off, which is, uh, you know, world series bound a, a lot to pack there. Any of those topics kind of uh, resonate with you? Um, you know what? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper got paid a lot of money a few years back, and a lot of people were like, I think he got overpaid. I never felt like Bryce Harper got overpaid. I felt like he got compensated what he was supposed to get compensated because this kid was called the LeBron of baseball. And I think that he somewhat did about three-fourths of the job. You know what I mean? I know that Bryce Harper wasn't a part of the Nats when they won the championship, but he helped build build something there, and I think that he got a little impatient and you know moved on a little bit faster than he should have. And I think that in free agency he picked the wrong team. I thought that when the Dodgers said that they would give him four years for about half the dollar amount that the Phillies were offering, but more dollars on the contract, I thought that could have been a better deal for Bryce Harper. And I just think that Philadelphia being kind of mediocre when he got there kind of made it look like he was a problem to the team when it was an overall pro uh, team situation. Now they play better baseball this season. They found themselves in the NL East race. They were first place for a moment there. Bryce Harper was staying consistent. He stayed playing really good baseball. And this just was a tough year to figure out who the NL MVP was going to be. And he was the most popular name and the first name that people could think of. And they just went ahead and uh, gave him the award this year. It happens like that sometimes where, you know, you have a you have a season where nobody really stood out in the NL Hitting-wise, we had a lot of great pitchers in the National League, but hitting-wise, we had a lot of the same thing going on because this was a down year for hitters regardless of anything. So pretty much this, to me, I think Bryce Harper winning MVP is a great statement on the long term, on the future of his career, meaning that he's still a relevant superstar in the MLB. 100% agree, and he maybe has some of the best hair in the sport. Uh, we're about to take a commercial break here. A couple of quick footnotes. The NL Cy Young Award voting was pretty much dominated by Brewers and Dodgers. Uh, you had uh, Burns, Scherzer, Bueller, Woodruff, and Julio Urias in the National League. And the American League was actually dominated by the American League East. We always think of the American League East as the uh, slugging division in all of baseball, the offensive units, but it was their pitching. Uh, Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, first and second. Eovaldi from the Red Sox was fourth in the uh, voting. And uh, 
Jose Barrios was in there down, down a ways. Now he played half a season with the Twins, finished up with the Blue Jays. So a lot of uh, American League East resonating with the voters. They had some great seasons. Like I said, that's usually a division that you think of hitting, but they brought the pitching to go along with their hitting, probably why they were one of the best divisions in all of baseball this past season. Pop, let's take a quick commercial timeout. We'll come back with some NFL talk. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back to some barber shop talk with Pop DiBiase, the primetime handicapper. I am your host. Mike Abadir, of course, and we are going to delve into the NFL in a moment here, but how did your Breeders' Cup uh, handicapping go, and how was the experience overall for you, Pop? Well, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I ain't going to pull no punches. It was absolutely awful. (laughs) Seriously. I thought I was going to be good. I thought I was going to be having my moments. I think I got a good place, and that's about it. You know, the Breeders' Cup is hard, man. I said this before, and I said that when I was doing horsing around that. We're just gambling today, you know what I mean? Because we don't know. There ain't no no lock. There ain't no uh, sure thing going on here. The thing is, you have to go ahead. You got to handicap right. You have to go in there and, and be ready to jump on a horse that you probably wouldn't jump on. In most occasions. And I think what happened was, is that we all kind of lost sight of the the talent that was in the pool this year. And the way that the racetrack works over at Del Mar, it set up for a great Breeders' Cup for 
you know, for for the long for some of the shots. And I have to give all props to Team Japan that came over here with. Uh, they came over here with a number of horses, and they walked away with, I think, three photos. Uh, so, you know, you get three photos two days on Breeders' Cup Big Day, the World Championship Day. Hey, you're on to something. And I thought that, you know, pretty much I made some mistakes. I say I always want to throw in one of the Japanese horses or one of the Japanese connections in one of these races or throw it on top. But I just didn't like the, I didn't like the way that they were coming into the race, but I know better. They always have sharp horses that find a way to get into the money. But this year they found a way to get into the winter circle. Absolutely right, man. Japan absolutely crushed it. Good for them. You know, it's kind of funny because I also have always had an eye on, like in the Kentucky Derby, you always get like a Japanese horse or a horse from Dubai. And I've always kind of like had in the back of my mind, one of these days, one of these horses is going to pop at a big price. Unfortunately, I did not have either of the big prices on Saturday, Saturday of the Breeders' Cup. So uh, I didn't have a great Saturday. My Friday was pretty good. I hit uh, a couple of nice plays. Um, but it all went back to them on on Saturday. So you'd mentioned horsing around. How is this? Uh, uh, they call it the fall meet. It's not the winter meet uh, at Del Mar. The it's, Bing Crosby meet or it's whatever. It's the Bing Crosby meet. It's so like how the how is this meet overall? I mean, is this a quality meet or um, uh, how do you evaluate it? And uh, when are you going to be talking about it on horsing around? I'll be on, we'll have horsing around going on about 11 a.m. tomorrow. And pretty much the way that Santa, that uh, Del Mar is working this year, this year, you know, Del Mar just replaced the old Hollywood Park meet. You know what I mean? You know that, right? So yep. pretty much if Hollywood Park was still in existence, we would be over on Manchester instead of watching it on TVG. So pretty much. We, when you look at the way this is setting up, it's a it's a it's a, a it's a regular uh, type of meet when when it comes to late late in the year. Lots of two year olds being broken out right now. Um, lots of claimers as well too, and some trainers and maybe jockeys making their move to California, which happens every single year. You know what I mean? So. It's pretty much like to me, I would say like maybe like a downtime, but still it's very exciting and it still does produce a lot of prices. If you're going to get good prices, this is the time of year to really get it because a lot of these races, you really can't call it because either these horses are really tired or these horses are really fresh. It's one or the other. You know what I mean? And so if you've seen a horse that's ran seven or eight times this year, yeah, these he's in training and he's in form, but that horse is tired. So if they're putting him out as a one to two favorite and all that good stuff, you might want to pass on that. But say you got a horse that comes out, maybe was lightly raced or we haven't seen him since last fall, comes out at 30 to one, was sharp in their last race that they ran. They're probably going to mess around and win that race or they just need a race and they'll win the next race uh, coming back around. So it's just it's just how you read the form, in my opinion, and how you set up the conditions at the end of the day, and that's where you, you where you can go ahead and maximize your profits over at Del Mar. But you got to play this thing smart. You can't live on favorites at Del Mar. Del Mar is not 
really kind of favorites like say a Santa Anita is you know what I mean and Santa Anita sometimes we just know that horse is gonna run that five furlongs and win by 17 links because you know they brought dropped the three classes you know what I mean but at Del Mar sometimes you might always drop a horse three classes and figure out that the horse just ain't good or or didn't didn't like the uh or you know, the coastal like the surface, atmosphere you know or I mean? the track but, surface or something you know right but I've seen a few horses that were million-dollar horses that didn't do well at Santa Anita or Del Mar, and then even and then went to Los Al and didn't do well there either. So by the time you get done with the Southern California meet and they see and they still want to deal with you, if they send you up to Northern California, more than likely you'll be able to break your maiden because your class. It's not because you're a be- the better horse. It's because the class that you run against, in my opinion. No, no doubt about that, man. And every time you mention Hollywood Park, man, I almost have Don't like start uh, crying, Mike. Yeah, yeah, man. I loved Hollywood Park. It was my favorite track, second to none. And I loved Friday nights, man. I mean, going back for many, many years, Friday nights, Hollywood Park, Bay Meadows, Los Alamitos, Cal Expo, California dominating. You have a little bit of Meadowlands wrapping up from the east. It was uh, truly an event for me. Um, even like with my buddies, we would, when we were back in our party days, we would go to Pleasanton's OTB when uh, they're not running over there. And we would stay there until 11.15 after that last race's run at Hollywood Park and then shoot out to the club or do whatever we were going to do. It was a staple, a part of our evening. We'd eat there at the little turf club they got and then shoot out. Once I moved down to L.A., I was doing it live at Los Alamitos. Same thing, Hollywood Park, Bay Meadows, and then Bay Meadows went down, and then Hollywood went down. So I know I'm reminiscing here, and we got to move on to other topics, but uh, I loved Hollywood Park. And I'm bummed to see Arlington uh, going down, too. It's interesting, though. It was all part of that same network, man. All part of that same network of, of Shady Shades. Uh, the Churchill Downs group yeah. uh, did not do any favors for horse racing, even though you'd think that since they've got the most famous race in the world, that they would go out of their way to help the sport. But they're just greedy mofos, and I'll leave it at that. Right. You know, when a real estate developer comes with a billion dollars, you know, it's different. You know, conversations get different. The horses don't look as pretty anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's true. But it, it really depends on, like, how all in are you on the sport? Right. Like growing the sport. You know, I think like a great example is Doc Allred over at Los Alamitos. You don't think that that property there would be snagged up? before he even printed the contract but yet he's held out because he loves the sport he's got the quarter horse kind of capital if you will the classiest quarter horses not necessarily the volume in la salle la salle has served a great purpose for horse racing to cover some of those hollywood park dates that you were mentioning and uh, you know his commitment to the game is very evident now who knows he may betray that trust tomorrow and sell off hope not but uh, to me, once once you get into this sport, you kind of have to make a decision that you're all in for the good of the game. But, hey, I don't want to get into a, a moral diatribe about horse racing or anything like that. Let's keep the conversation moving as we transition from uh, horse racing and baseball to the NFL. 
and before I do, you know, I love baseball so much. I'm always sad when it goes. I'm always excited when it comes back. And when I was doing some uh, looking up some stuff for today's show and I was doing some research, I did see something that made me smile, which is at the top on the ticker, I saw the schedule. And I was like, schedule for baseball? Sure enough, February 25th, 225, Angels, Milwaukee, Boston, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Colorado, Arizona, Dodgers, Chicago Cubs, Yankees, Baltimore, Mets, and Miami, Oakland, and Chicago White Sox. That's to look forward to February 25th, a little bit earlier than I think we'd usually see games, pitchers, and catchers report on the 14th. So, speaking of reporting, speaking of reporting on time and following the rules, the Times has reported that the Tampa Bay Times, that is, that Antonio Brown has been accused of obtaining a fake COVID. 19 vax card and uh if there was anybody in the nfl that would try pr- try to pull a stunt like this my guess is it would be antonio brown what do you think of this story i think that antonio brown need to figure out a way to 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 not have yappy people around him because it seems like everybody that does some type of job or something with him always uh, airs out his dirty laundry you know what i mean and i just think that you know pretty much um i don't know what's happening right now but i think possibly this was probably a move where somebody got fired now they're upset so pretty much you know he said that he it's a he said she said situation but it puts him under fire because now he can be suspended by the NFL because he technically lied to them about being vaccinated. But this is what people don't know. The NFL is not mandating you being vaccinated. What they're doing is if you're not vaccinated, then you have to be on a different set of rules. And so pretty much guys who aren't vaccinated got cut, you know, unless they were were super, super, super players like Aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, pretty much he's going to have to fess up and tell the truth. If it's true, then it's true. You just got to roll whatever's going to happen. But if it isn't true, then the person who said that is going to be in a lot of trouble for that. Well, the story gets kind of weird. Now, by the way, the reason he cites for not wanting to take the vaccine is possible side effects. Okay. Fair enough. Like you said, that's his decision. He's not being forced one way or another, uh, or at least on the surface, he's not being forced. Now, the story gets kind of strange because apparently he had his girlfriend, a model by the name of Sidney Moreau, reach out to Antonio Brown's former chef to obtain this fake vaccination card which basically states that he had received the Johnson and Johnson shot. Now, I don't know why a chef would have the ability to create or obtain this fake vaccine card, but apparently he did. So he received it, I assume, and the story goes that he was um, didn't want to pay up. He owed Ruiz this chef $10,000 for this card and he didn't pay them. So Reed's got pissed and he went public with accusation because he didn't get paid. So it's like bizarre over bizarre over bizarre. Allegedly, if this is true, 
it just Antonio Brown, like no other, gets himself in really strange predicaments, man. That's all I'm going to say about it. Very, very strange predicaments with chefs and not paying up and ugh, head scratching, man. And you say about people yapping, opening their mouths. Well, he kind of opened the door to that when he didn't throw down the bucks that he supposedly promised to pay. You know what I mean? Well, you know, you can. I I would say this. I I would say that sometimes you got to be a little patient, man. You know, now you ain't gonna get the money. You know what I mean? All you gonna do is just ruin his career. But the thing is, though, and he's put himself in a bad spot because the 10k is gonna be a lot cheaper than the lawyer fees that are about to come up as well, too. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because so, he's probably gonna be facing some uh, some some actual. Uh, yeah, some actual non-NFL-related yeah. trouble. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, um, not necessarily the NFL story that you would expect to be discussing on a Thursday with Thursday Night Football, but an entertaining one nonetheless. So, let's get to some of the headlines. I think one of the big issues that um, is factoring in to the, the this drive towards the playoffs are injuries. We've got a lot of key injuries. There's a lot of moving parts. A lot of guys are coming in and out. And we're talking big-name guys, Kyler Murray or Alvin Kamara, a lot of running backs, a lot of defensive players, you name it, both sides of the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, story today is that possibly the Titans can get Derrick Henry back um, by the second round of the playoffs, maybe. Um, but let's start with the Titans. They kind of keep on rolling, man. They're looking pretty good. I honestly thought that there was a good chance that they would fold after they lost Derrick Henry, their best offensive weapon, the guy that helps them keep the clock moving to have that time of possession be in their favor. And he moves the ball on the ground in the same way that some teams move it in the air, which is effective ball control football. What are your thoughts about the Tennessee Titans, man? I think the Titans are just well coached and they're have the Patriot way, Ohio state mentality. Next man up. You know what I mean? And that's exa exactly what it is with verbal next man up. He's just a, a great leader of men. He did it as a player, and he's doing it right now as a coach. So when you can, when you have everybody bought in and believing, then, yeah, you lose a superstar. But, hey, what's going on in that running back room? You got other guys that hang out with that superstar all day, and they have got hints and tips and all types of things from this guy, and the line is going to block the same exact way that they blocked for Derrick Henry for the guys that are in that running back room with them. And they have a good number of running backs behind Derrick Henry. They, they're not as great as Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry is a one of one. But for them, for the job that they have to do, they are per, they are perfectly suited for it. So I think the Titans have been really good because they already were going to be a great offense as is when they added Julio Jones, who hasn't really even been that much of a factor this year. So, you know, this is just a team that has very good chemistry. They've been together for uh, a few years now. So 
them going about their business the way that they're going about their business is no surprise to me because this team has been built to be, you know, gritty, grimy, and trying to close out games by any means necessary. And I think that the leadership of Ryan Tannehill and the cool confidence of him has kept this team right where they need to be at. But at the end of the day, the one thing that the Titans have always been able to bank on in most of their years is their defense. And once again, the defense didn't start off great, but now they've gotten to a flow of things and they are a dynamic unit as well too, because once again, this is a unit that has been together for a good amount of time so they know exactly what they need to do 100 percent agree with you let's take a quick commercial timeout and we'll get to some of the other teams around the national football league as well as the headline stories that you need to know before you set your fantasy football lineups or drop your wagers stay with us we will be right back Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show. I'm still getting a kick out of that Antonio Brown story. I mean, just... So weird. Getting a fake vaccine card through your chef, your former chef, and not even reaching out yourself, having your girlfriend do it. Getting the vaccine card, allegedly, and then not paying the guy who hooked you up with what you were hoping for in the first place, which is a fake vaccination card. Unbelievable. Anyways, there are other more football on the field related stories that we need to talk about here. So Pop had to exit from today's show. 
Uh, we thank Pop very, very much. He's got a very busy schedule. This was actually his third show today. So definitely appreciate him making the time to be able to join us. So let's get to some of these headlines. I'm looking here. So Alvin Kamara, maybe out, maybe not. Looks at Corderell Patterson for tonight's game, Atlanta and the Patriots. Uh, he Patterson is out. Uh, I know many of the listeners are going to be listening to the show after that game, so I won't spend too much time about that. Um, I would presume that Antonio Brown is going to be out for this weekend's game. Uh, let's see here. A.J. Brown, well, he's opened up about his depression and stuff. I don't know if that means that he will not be playing, but he did say that he uh, has had suicidal thoughts and things of that nature. So God be with him and uh, anybody that has any mental health issues. There are solutions. Don't ever feel like your hole is too difficult to climb out of or that people can't relate to you because there are people that can help you get better. And all you have to do is just reach out, even if it feels very hopeless. So let's get some hope if we are the fans of some of these ball clubs here who are in kind of a do or die situation um, or they just don't want to fall too far back. And I think two of those teams are the Cleveland Browns at five and five and the Vikings at four and five. Um, you could probably put the Saints and the Eagles in there. Saints five and four, Eagles four and six. Saints on the right side of that playoff mix, the Eagles on the wrong side of that playoff mix. But if the Eagles win, they'll probably reverse, right? The Eagles will be on that right side, the Saints maybe not so much. But those are those are some really, really key um this is a key week for a lot of these teams. And then you have over out west, the Niners, four and five. The Raiders, after their hot start, they're sitting at five and four. Cincinnati Bengals, hot start. They're at five and four. They're going up against each other this weekend. Probably the marquee matchup of the week is the one o'clock game Pacific time on Fox, 125 to be exact. Dallas Cowboys, Kansas City Chiefs, Cowboys coming in here, uh, having made up for their disaster performance a couple of weeks ago by thrashing the Atlanta Falcons and uh, the Chiefs. Looks It looks to me like they're kind of back into Chiefs mode, at least offensively. So this will be really interesting. I mean, I think if the Cowboys go into Arrowhead and are able to steal one, to me, it would prove that the Dallas Cowboys um, have to really be taken seriously in terms of making being able to make a playoff run. They're able to go into a hostile environment like Arrowhead, which has historically been a very, very difficult place to play, regardless of whether Kansas City is good or not. And then to have the uh, you know Super Bowl caliber team that they have right now um, makes it even that much more of a difficult task for the Cowboys. So I think this will be a very telling game in terms of how can we evaluate the Cowboys. Because look, let's face it, most of their games uh, during the course of the season are going to be against like the Giants and the Eagles and the Washington football team, not very good teams. So it's kind of hard to evaluate the Cowboys when they kind of have a joker schedule. 
And even the team that they just beat up, like I mentioned, Atlanta Falcons, they're an okay team. Uh, but now we get to see them going up against a marquee team. I think that should be a lot of fun. I did miss out on one matchup that is worth mentioning as well, which is the Indianapolis Colts and the Buffalo Bills. Colts are sitting at 5-5, five and five, Bills at 6-3. and three. There are a lot of teams that are right around 500, 5-5, five and 4-5, five, 5-4. and, five, five and four. But we're kind of getting later into the season. So each team is going to be playing 17 games for the first time ever. That's why they keep uh, calling it the, the biggest or greatest season or whatever it is on those commercials because it is the biggest. It's the first time they're going to be playing 17 regular season games. But most of the teams right now are 10 games into that. So we're pretty much coming around the corner to the stretch run here. Seven games to go for most ball clubs. A couple of teams have eight games to go, depending on whether or not they have had their bye week as of yet. So this game is, this week is going to be a separator week. You know, a lot of these teams that are right around 500, you know, if you go like two games under for some of these teams that are four and five, and after this week, there'll be only six games left. That's a lot of ground to make up in not very much time. I mean, six games. To make up two games, you would have to, I mean, realistically, you know, even four and two gets you just back to 500, right? If you want to be above 500, you're going to have to go six and or five and one. That's why this week is so crucial for so many of these teams. Similarly, if you're like the Saints and you're a game above, or like the Raiders a game above, or Cincinnati a game above, all of them sitting at five and four. If you're able to get this win, get to six and four, you got that two game cushion. Well, even if you go five hundred the rest of the way out, you're gonna be two games above five hundred. So with the seventeen game season, what does that mean? That's gonna mean if they if they win this week, they're six and four. That means there's six games left. They go three and three. So that may, that would mean that they're uh, finishing up the season. Well, my math isn't right, is it? Six and four, ten games. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's see here. So they would go nine and seven. No, that's sixteen games. I guess it would have to be. Yeah, that's funky with the 17th game. That's very, very funky with the with the 17th game. But, oh, I see. Because I didn't factor in that some of these teams have not had their buy as of yet, and some teams have. So, you know, you're probably looking at something along the lines of 10 and 7. So you're either going to be three games above, or you will be 9 and 8, which would mean one game above. So there's probably no such thing for those teams as being two games uh, above 500 because you don't have an even amount of games for this year. So if you're in that position as of right now, um, that's kind of what you're looking at. So that's how pivotal this week is. And I think that having the odd number of games is going to really create an interesting dynamic in the last week or two of the season I think there's going to be less teams that are going to be able to, you know, put in their uh, second teams 
because I think that extra game is going to be exactly what some teams need. If you look back at last year, the year before, the year before that, think of how many teams wish that they had one more game to be able to close the gap or to catch up. Every year, there's several teams. They get on a hot streak a little bit too late, and they come up barely short. They go into the last day scoreboard watching. So now we get one additional game. And I think that's going to make a world of difference for a lot of these teams. And as we know about today's NFL, you just want to get into the tournament. It's not quite like baseball, where literally any team can emerge from the playoff mix. It's not that volatile. But it isn't the NBA either, where pretty much on many years, you pretty much know who's going to end up in the finals or have a pretty good idea of it. You know, for years, it was like the Warriors uh, in the past, Spurs or Lakers or Miami Heat, etc. Football's pretty wide open. It's very hard for teams to repeat. It's really hard for teams to even have any continuity unless they have some playoff success. So that's what makes the NFL dynamic so interesting to me. Uh, probably one of the more garbage matchups that I did not mention was uh, the Dolphins and the Jets. Looks like Tua is going to be back at the helm for the Dolphins again. I don't know. If he can't beat Flacco and the Jets, I think Tua time is going to be over in Miami, in South Beach. I think it's going to be a very, very short-lived uh, – I don't even want to call it a honeymoon because it – it really has never been a sweet taste in Dolphins fans' mouths. It just has not. Not been the case. Which is kind of a shame because they're so desperate for Dan Marino's replacement. And you can never replace Dan Marino. But you just want somebody that can take the helm for a few years in a row and have some playoff success and they just have not been able to find that. So, with that said, success. Let me give you a couple of picks that you can hopefully take to the bank. I'm going to take the Jaguars at home against the 49ers. They're getting six and a half points. And typically, the uh, east to west, west to east trips have been very difficult for uh, teams like the 49ers and the Raiders. So, I'm going to go with them. I am also going to go with the Chicago Bears at home getting five points against the Ravens. The Ravens are so inconsistent. I'd like to see what they could do in the last game. I'll take the Raiders getting a point at home against the Bengals. I think this is a game where the Raiders need to come out on top, and I think they're going to pull it through. That is all the time we have, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Have a tremendous Thanksgiving, everyone. We'll see you same time, same place on December 2nd. Enjoy your sports weekend and week coming up, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.